You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. July 25th, 1998, that was mine and Claire's wedding day, married at First Baptist Church in Perry, Florida. And I remember that day well, over 25 years ago now, I remember the nervousness as I walked in from the side with my pastor and my best man, who was my father. And I remember standing down there at the bottom of the stairs as uh, the bridesmaids proceeded in. And I remember that moment when the doors closed. It was time for the bride to come down the aisle and the wedding march started, the doors open, and I saw Claire in her wedding dress for the first time, and she was stunning, gorgeous. And she walked in that door, that center door, and everyone in the sanctuary was thinking the exact same thing. How did Wade pull this off? But something I remember about that day is I couldn't take my eyes off of her. She was so beautiful, and she meant so much to me. I had a relationship with her. She was becoming my wife. And because of that, I had my eyes fixed on her. I would not have even dreamed of just kind of looking around the room as she's walking down the aisle. I would not have dreamed of checking my watch as she came walking down the aisle. I would not have dreamed of checking my cell phone even though I was two years away from owning a cell phone. I would not have dreamed of that in that moment. It was my bride, beautiful. She belonged to me. Walking down the aisle, I fixed my eyes on her. Now you and I know something as Christ followers of the beauty of Jesus, our Savior. Jesus is breathtaking. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is incredible. Jesus is our Savior. He belongs to us and we belong to him. Why is it so hard sometimes to keep our eyes on Jesus. This morning, we're going to be reminded that during this Christmas season, and really always, we ought to make it a priority to keep our focus first and foremost upon Jesus. Now, I want to show you this from Luke chapter 2. So turn with me. Luke chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 22. Luke chapter 2, verse 
22. We are finishing our sermon series this morning titled Celebrate Christmas. We've talked about celebrating Christmas on your knees as we talked about the wise men. We've discussed celebrating Christmas in your heart. We discussed Mary and how she treasured and pondered the birth of Jesus in her heart. Last week, we talked about celebrating Christmas with beautiful feet, being like the shepherds, going and telling people that the Christ has come. Well, this morning, I want to encourage you and to encourage myself to celebrate Christmas with our eyes on Jesus. Our eyes belong on him. And we're going to be reminded of this in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. So when you found your place, I want to ask you this morning if you are physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. The Bible says, When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy, to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Very interesting phrase. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And when he came in the Spirit into the temple, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes, watch this, have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father, Joseph, and his mother, Mary, marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we, we bow in this moment, our heads and our hearts, before you. Lord, freely confessing our need for you. We believe that all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. So Holy Spirit, would you move in our midst... Take the inerrant, inspired, infallible word of God and apply it to our hearts that we might be changed. Help us to understand what it means corporately, what it means individually, what it means practically to fix our eyes upon Jesus. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. The setting of this story is found in verse 22. And we see that 
it involves two separate ceremonies. These two separate ceremonies are summarized in verses 22 through 24. The first ceremony is the purification ceremony uh, prescribed in Exodus, uh, or sorry, Leviticus, where the wife, after 40 days, would come to the temple for a cleansing ceremony, re-engaging in worship at the temple, the purification ceremonies. This is 40 days after the birth of Christ. The other ceremony that's summarized here is the presentation of the firstborn to the Lord, found in Exodus chapter 13. Jesus was the firstborn of Mary, so they're bringing him with an offering. And it's interesting to note that the offering they bring is the offering of turtle doves. In uh, the, the uh, book of Leviticus, turtle doves are prescribed for those who did not have wealth enough for a lamb. And so this speaks of uh, maybe Joseph and Mary's uh, humble situation. But they bring the turtle doves for the purification ceremony. They come to present Jesus as the firstborn uh, to the Lord. And upon arriving at the temple for these ceremonies, they encounter this unique, interesting figure named Simeon. And Simeon is really fascinating to, to study because there's some mystery as to who Simeon was. Now, there are some, some extra-biblical traditions that have bubbled up in ancient Christian writings about Simeon that are interesting to discuss. One tradition holds that Simeon was a priest there's even some speculation that he was the son of the great Jewish rabbi, uh, uh, Hillel, and father of the rabbi Gamaliel, who mentored Paul. Again, that's not in the Bible. That's just some tradition that, that came out over time, uh, speculation about who Simeon was. Also, tradition held and holds that Simeon was very old. This probably was inferred from verse 29 when he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. He, he's saying there, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to go to heaven. An extra biblical tradition uh, said, even uh, one writing said, that he was 112 years old at this point, which is interesting to think about. But the Bible, specifically the writer here, Luke, neither mentions his vocation or his age. He doesn't tell us what Simeon did. He doesn't tell us that Simeon was a priest. And he doesn't tell us how old Simeon was. What Luke focuses on is Simeon's character, his spiritual condition. And notice he says some interesting things about Simeon in verse 25. Look what it says there in that verse. It says, his name was Simeon, this man was righteous. Righteous. The word righteous means he lived according to God's standards and commands. He was an obedient follower of the Lord. He was righteous. And then verse 25 says he was devout. This word means he was reverent toward God. He was pious. He was a God-fearing man. But third, we learn in verse 25 that he was filled with expectancy. Because look what it says in that verse. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, 
Simeon knew his Bible, what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. And he knew that the Old Testament said over and over and over again that God was going to send someone, a Messiah, a Christ, a King, a Redeemer, a suffering servant. And Simeon, knowing his Bible, is expectantly looking for the Messiah to show up. In fact, the Bible says God gave Simeon some special revelation to let him know before you die, you will actually lay eyes on the Christ, on the Messiah. And so Simeon was filled with expectancy. I think about someone like Simeon when I think about the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, or Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Those songs that speak of Israel longing for the Messiah to come. In fact, the other day, my youngest child and I were in the vehicle and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel came on and, and Connor was trying to, to talk about the tune. He said, I like the tune of this song. I like how it sounds. And I agreed with him. I said, it sounds kind of like, kind of a sad tune, isn't it? It, it kind of reminds us that, that the Jews were longing for the Messiah to come. And Connor said, yeah, that's it. That's it. And I think about Simeon. O come, thou long-expected Christ. O come, O come, Emmanuel. He was looking for the arrival of the Messiah. He was looking forward, as the Holy Spirit showed him, to the privilege and joy of seeing the Christ. And what we see in this passage is this, this promise from God comes to fulfillment. Joseph and Mary show up. They're carrying baby Jesus, 40 days old. And the Holy Spirit signals to Simeon, it's the Christ. This is the Messiah. And he walks up excitedly and he takes Jesus in his arms. And he gets to see Jesus with his physical eyes. He fixes his eyes on Jesus. Well, this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to experience spiritually what Simeon experienced physically. He physically set his eyes on Jesus, and he knew it was a privilege and a joy. And in like manner, spiritually speaking, you and I can be reminded we need to fix our eyes on Jesus because it is a privilege and a joy. And that's ultimately what Christmas is all about. So I've got just four brief admonitions for you this morning. Four admonitions I want to give you about fixing your eyes on Jesus. Hopefully these will encourage you and challenge you and inspire you. Admonition number one, fix your eyes on Jesus. The Holy Spirit will help you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The Holy Spirit will help you. Did you notice how much the Holy Spirit is mentioned in this passage? Look back with me in verse 25. 
It says there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit had a special empowering and anointing on his life. Look in verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then in verse 27, he came, look at this prepositional phrase, he came in the Spirit into the temple. The Holy Spirit prompted him to go to the temple that day. Because the Holy Spirit was going to bring him into an intersecting experience with the Christ. The Holy Spirit led him to go to the temple on that day. He came in the Spirit into the temple. So the Holy Spirit is all over Simeon's life. And because of the Holy Spirit's work in Simeon's life... He's able to fix his eyes physically upon the Christ. Well, did you know the Holy Spirit has a very similar role in the life of the believer? To fix our eyes spiritually upon Christ? In fact, there is a direct connection between the ministry of the Holy Spirit... And our desire and efforts to gaze upon Jesus. The Bible teaches that as a believer in Jesus, at the moment you were converted, the Holy Spirit came to indwell you. That's the new covenant blessing of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. God himself dwells in you. That's pretty significant, right? And the Holy Spirit is doing some things in your life. Specifically, he is pointing you to Jesus. Just like he pointed Simeon to Jesus, he's pointing you and me to Jesus. For example, John 14, 25 and 26, the Bible says, Jesus speaking here, These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So Jesus is saying, when you experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, part of what he's going to do is bring to mind my teaching. He's going to point you to me. John 15, 26, Jesus says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father, listen to what Jesus says, he will bear witness about me. Part of what the Holy Spirit does in your life and in my life is he bears witness to Christ. He he directs our hearts. He directs our minds to Jesus. He, He helps us to fix our eyes upon him. That's what the Spirit does. And then in John 16, 14, Jesus says it very plainly of the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me. That's what Jesus says. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, if you're a Christian, if you're a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit is actively doing this in your life. So that as Simeon fixed his eyes physically upon Jesus, led by the Spirit... 
You can fix your eyes spiritually upon Jesus, put your focus upon Jesus by the work and power of the Holy Spirit. And so my first admonition is, fix your eyes upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit will help you. Ask for his help to make sure your focus is first and foremost upon Christ. Number two, fix your eyes on Jesus. He will bring you joy. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. He will bring you joy. Back in Luke chapter 2, it says in verse 27, He came, Simeon came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him, Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God. He takes Jesus in his arms and begins to praise the Lord. And then he begins to give us this, this, this poem, this hymn, this song. In fact, this song is uh, put together with other songs in the Gospel of Luke as a trilogy of Christ-honoring songs. The first is called, uh, in Latin, the Magnificat. It's Mary's song found in Luke chapter 1. And then we see the Benedictus, which is Zechariah's song in Luke chapter 1. And here in Luke chapter 2, we see Simeon sing a song. It's called the Nuc Dimittis. That's Latin for let your servant depart, which is the first line of this song he sings in verse 29. So what do we see happening here? We see Simeon fix his eyes upon Christ, take him in his arms, bless the Lord, and begin to sing a song. There's a connection between him seeing Jesus and experiencing joy. He saw the person of Jesus and he experienced the presence of Jesus. And here's the takeaway for you and for me. The person and presence of Jesus should fill your heart and should fill my heart with gladness. If you are struggling to maintain joy in this Christmas season, I bet you there's a connection with your focus in life. If you want renewed, overflowing joy in your life, it comes from fixing your eyes on the person of Jesus and recognizing you get to experience the presence of Jesus every day. That's where joy comes from. We see Jesus not like Simeon. He saw Jesus with physical eyes. We see Jesus through eyes of faith. As we meditate on him through our reading of the scriptures, as we sing to him songs of praise, as we talk to him in prayer, as we lean on him through life circumstances, this ongoing daily interaction, this fixing your eyes on Jesus produces joy. I'm not saying life is easy. I'm not saying that we don't go through difficult things. I am saying that if your eyes are on Jesus, you will have joy in spite of your circumstances. 
joy that is greater than your circumstances because it's based upon the person and presence of Christ in your life. Third admonition, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the hope of the world. Look what it says in verse 29. This is the Nunc Dimittis. This is this song of praise that Simeon sings. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I've seen the Messiah. According to your word, you told me I'd seen the Messiah. I've seen the Messiah. I'm ready to go to heaven now. And then he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all the peoples. Simeon reminds us in the song of praise some important things about Jesus. First of all, Jesus saves. Let me show you something interesting in this passage. Look what the Bible says in verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He would see the Christ, the Messiah. And then in verse 30 he says, My eyes have seen your salvation. In other words, seeing Jesus equals seeing salvation. Because salvation is found in Christ. Salvation is only in Christ. And he looks at Jesus in his arms. He's blessing God. He's saying, I'm looking at the one who saves. He's pointing us to the ministry and mission of Christ. The reason why he came to this earth. Born of the Virgin Mary, laid in a, 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 a manger under the shadow of the cross. He came to this earth to live and ultimately to die for your sins and my sins. And then to defeat death by rising from the grave. Jesus saves. And there's a second important thing we learn about him being the hope of the world Jesus is a gift offered to everyone. Because look what Simeon goes on to say. My eyes, verse 30, have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Now look at the next phrase. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon says here in this song of praise, Jesus came to save his people, the Jews, and Jesus also came to save the Gentiles. And let me give you a quick definition of a Gentile. Anyone who is not a Jew is a Gentile. So when you use the categories of Jew and Gentile, you're talking about everyone. Because everyone in this world is either a Jew ethnically speaking, or a Gentile, not a Jew, ethnically speaking. And so Simeon reminds us here that Jesus is a light to everyone. A light to Jews, a light to Gentiles. He is a gift offered to everyone. Verse 31, he says, You've prepared this gift in the presence of all peoples, all peoples. And then to make sure we get it, he defines all peoples as Jews and Gentiles. And so 
Jesus is a gift offered to everyone, which by the way is why we do live nativity and why we do mission trips and why we give to Lottie Moon and why we pray for missionaries and lost people and unreached people groups. You saw the video earlier, over 3,000 people groups that have never been touched by the gospel. 3,000 people groups uh, uh, filled with, with millions and millions of people that have never even heard the name of Jesus. And our job, our calling, our passion is to go to these peoples and let them know Jesus died for them. Salvation is a gift for them if they will but accept it by faith. So fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the hope of the world. And so, first admonition, fix your eyes on Jesus. The Holy Spirit will help you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He will bring you joy. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the hope of the world. Fourth and last, fix your eyes on Jesus. He suffered and died for you. Look what Simeon goes on to say after his song of praise. Verse 33. His father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother... Something you need to know, Mary. Look what he says. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon's interaction with Mary and Joseph and Jesus takes an unusual turn. He's praising God. I got to see the Christ. But then he says, hardship is coming. Devastation is coming. Because he goes on to describe the cost of Jesus' mission. And he describes this to his mother, Mary. He wanted to be clear that not everyone would embrace Jesus. Look in verse 34. He says, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign that is opposed. In other words, some would embrace Jesus as the Messiah and build their life upon him as the chief cornerstone. Some would reject Jesus and Jesus would become a stumbling block to them. Simeon even says that that many would oppose the Christ. They would oppose Jesus He's reminding Mary and Joseph and reminding us today that not everyone will embrace Jesus. As a pastor, I've shared the gospel with people, people that were just like ripe fruit for the picking. And you explain the gospel and you're like, yes, yes, I get it. Yes, I need it. I need Jesus and they're ready and they, they call out in the name of Jesus and are saved. And what a privilege and joy to be in those types of conversations. I've also had conversations where I share the good news about Christ. I share Jesus and I've seen people just say, no, not for me, not today and walk away from Christ 
And Simeon reminds us when Jesus is 40 days old that there would be different responses to Christ. And we still see that in our world today. But here's the main thing he wanted Mary to understand. Jesus would experience an agonizing death to make salvation available. For him to make salvation available to lost sinners, he had to go and suffer and die on the cross for us. That's why he says in verse 35 to Mary, the mother, he says, a sword will pierce through your own soul. His suffering, his death, the reason he came to this earth will wound you deeply. Way down in your soul, it will be like a sword pierces you. The word for sword here is the the Greek word romphaea. It it denotes a large sword, not the smaller sword mentioned in other places in Scripture. It's a large, a big sword. He says that romphaea will, will pierce your soul. Mary, you are holding the baby, but there is coming deep agony on account of this baby in your own life. He's speaking of the suffering, the death of Jesus. Mary would would understand the depths of agony that Jesus experienced. She would understand that he was betrayed and he was abandoned and he was denied He was arrested and he was tried and he was condemned and he was beaten. He was nailed to a cruel Roman cross and hung on that cross from nine in the morning to three in the afternoon. And Simeon saying, when that moment comes, when Jesus endures suffering and death in order to provide salvation, it will be as if a sword pierces your soul. Leon Moore says it like this. His suffering will not leave her untouched. So Simeon is reminding us that we ought to fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the one who suffered and died for our sins. There's a poem, I think I've shared it before, by Lucy Shaw titled Mary's Song. Speaking of Mary's emotional processing of the fact that Jesus would suffer and die as his mother. The poem says, Quiet he lies whose vigor hurled a universe. He sleeps as a baby. He sleeps whose eyelids have not closed before. His breath, so slight it seems no breath at all, once ruffled the dark deeps to sprout a world. Charmed by doves' voices, the whisper of straw he dreams, hearing no music from his other spheres. Breath, mouth, ears, eyes, he is curtailed who overflowed all skies. All years, older than eternity, now he is new. Now native to earth as I am, nailed to my poor planet, caught that I might be free, blind in my womb to know my darkness ended, brought to this birth for me to be newborn. And then poetically, Mary says, 
For him to see me mended, I must see him torn. And Simeon is telling her this as Jesus is still an infant. There's devastation coming, Mary. You're his mother, and he will suffer and die. But it is necessary for him to be a savior for all peoples. And so our crucified Savior is worthy of our primary focus this Christmas season and every day. Born again Christians celebrate the nativity. We celebrate the birth of Christ. It's a sweet, tender story, but we dare not lose sight of the fact he came to die. In our place. Fix your eyes upon him. My favorite verse in the Bible speaks to this. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. The Bible says, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, looking to Jesus. Some translations say fixing your eyes on Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He suffered and died for you. So here's the takeaway from this message. Hope you'll take it away on this Christmas Eve going into Christmas Day. I want to encourage you to celebrate this Christmas by fixing your eyes on Jesus. Celebrate this Christmas by fixing your eyes on Jesus. It is so easy these days, isn't it? To lose focus. To fix our eyes on other things, inconsequential things, trivial things, temporal things. And forget that this time of year and every day of our lives is about Jesus. So this Christmas season and every day, fix your eyes on him. The way my eyes were fixed upon my bride walking down the aisle, she meant everything to me. And Jesus, our Lord and Savior, means everything to us. Why would we look anywhere else other than at Jesus? Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.